Hello, nerds. Curtis here from the Nerds in Love podcast. Before our episode starts, I want to mention our sponsor today, Adam and Eve. They are the internet's best place for sexy toys and lingerie. Is that ever in dispute? Now, here's the thing. You know, we don't want you going to a creepy store. You go to the creepy store, you got to go in there. People are looking at you like, why is this guy in here? Why is this girl in here? It's kind of awkward, right? Don't get that with Adam and Eve. They ship the item right to your door. Uh, here's the other thing, too. It's super cheap because when you go to Adam and Eve and you get your sex swing or your lingerie or whatever you may want, here's the thing. After you spend $59, you get free shipping. After you spend $17, you get a free gift. That's pretty awesome. And then here's the thing. That first item you put in your cart, when you enter the doors to check out, you get 25% off that. That's incredible. That's awesome value. And it gets you things that you're going to use in your sexy times with whoever your significant other or fling of the week is. So remember, guys, go to adamandeve.com today. Check them out. Buy something cool. And get sexy. She won't get married because she's never been in love. Andy's really hot. And don't get me wrong. You're cute, too. But Andy is like cut from Marvel. He's gorgeous. He's like this beautiful face and this incredible body, and I genuinely don't care that he's kind of lame. For a lot of people, love isn't just a slogan. And if he hits you again, you tell me. I'd be forced to knock his teeth out. I don't think that would be such a good idea. He's big. I'm sorry. It's written into my character to do it, so I do it. What do you mean love? You mean a big lightning bolt to the heart where you can't eat and you can't work and you just run off and get married and make babies wait 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 don't leave don't leave please i could use your help take this quarter go downtown and have a rat gnaw that thing off your face good day to you madam have you been single for far too long are you out of touch with the dating game regardless of your plight we're here to help Put your hands together for the crew of the Nerds in Love podcast. Go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Nerds in Love podcast. I'm your host, Curtis, and with me, as always, is Kim. Hello. And Stephanie. Hello. So as you listeners have probably noticed, uh, you know, we're having Kim and Steph on. We've had both kind of alternating for the last couple of weeks. But, you know, the response to having both of you on has been great. So, you know, figured might as well bring both of you on because the listeners are really, you know, appreciating and uh, respecting the help that you offer. So, you know, figured having both of you on is, you know, double the great advice. So uh, thanks again for joining me today. Oh, Absolutely. you're welcome. Uh, so, uh, as a reminder, you know, the, you know, while, uh, having Steph and Kim on is, is great. You know, this is not a true substitute for professional mental health. And if you're in crisis, you should seek professional help. Uh, every one of our episodes includes, uh, phone numbers that you should contact if you, you know, need some help. So by all means, if you're really in crisis and you know, this isn't, this is something that maybe, you know, you're really concerned about best to probably call those numbers and chat with the people who are much more uh, qualified than I definitely am, that's for sure. Um, Let's start with the first email this week from Garrett. Nerds, I-18 male will be graduating in June. My girlfriend will be as well. We were hoping to be close to each other in terms of colleges, but this will not be the case. We're around two and a half hours apart, which isn't terrible. It has both of us wondering if we ought to work on keeping our relationship together. So my question is, should we? 
we're just both on the fence and could go either way, but we, but we both like each other. It's just obviously going to be a challenge. Thoughts, Garrett? So this is interesting. Yeah, wow, this is an interesting one. Um, so I was actually in the same position when I went to college. I was with a boyfriend mm -hmm. from high school and we decided to try to stay together and work long distance. We were actually very long distance, over seven and a half hours apart. Um, our relationship survived for about a year and then we broke up in my sophomore year. So that's just a little bit of background from my perspective. Mm -hmm. But even with that, I don't think that this is a question that I personally can answer like one way or another. I don't think that we can say you should stay together or you should break up. Um, I guess my recommendation would be look at all the things that are keeping you on the fence, sort of like, what are the pros of staying together? What are you really hoping to achieve with being together? Um, if you want to be together, how will you structure your relationship to make it work and overcome the, the challenges of long distance? What are the cons of staying mm -hmm. together? What do you think you might be giving up if you're staying together? What sacrifices will you have to make? Um, what yeah like there's there's a whole bunch of questions and i don't think that i'm going to be able to to just answer this one i can just pile on questions on top of that what do you guys think my feeling is that if they're asking if garrett's asking that might be a sign that things are not so tight because when when you're in a relationship and you're pretty serious about it you, that idea of well should we work it out should we stay together the fact that you're questioning it tells me that you guys kind of have one foot in one foot out uh, and, it, you know, mm -hmm. like Kim said, we can't really answer for you, you, what you should do. Um, but I would keep that in mind that um, that you both are, are kind of wondering if you should or shouldn't. And that's very telling in itself. Uh, also, there's something we said for the first year of college. Uh, being in a long distance relationship kind of sometimes prevents you from being involved in things on campus and really uh, getting involved in college life. Uh, so that's another thing to keep in mind. Um, if you are traveling to see each other quite a bit on the weekends, you are, are you going to have time to study? Are you going to have time to pursue interests at school? Are you going to feel like you uh, kind of have you found a good fit at the school? And I think if you're in a relationship that's long distance, a little bit trickier to, again, have the full college experience. Yeah. And I was just going to say, like, you know, I, I totally agree. I think that, you know, perhaps being in a long distance relationship where it's going to require a lot more effort than a regular relationship is going to kind of tie you up and kind of prohibit, well, maybe not prohibit, but maybe sort of add some difficulties to, you know, associating yourself with college life and getting out there and being sociable. And on top of that, you know, I feel like this answer, this question would be a lot, you know, easier for Garrett too, if, you know, there was maybe perhaps some, you know, better infrastructure in place. So, you know, I guess that also is part of it as well. Like, what, how would you get to each other, you know, two and a half hours, you know, is that from driving? Is that taking a bus? Is that taking a train? Like, you know, I think realistically speaking, you know, looking at how you two would get to each other, you know, are you going to be able to do that consistently? And also too, like, would you be able to trust each other in those low periods where you're not able to see each other? I mean, you know, the fact that they both kind of seem very, you know, laissez-faire, I guess, about the whole mm -hmm. situation kind of says to me that maybe, you know, maybe they just don't really care. I, I, and I'm just assuming here, I, I could be completely wrong, but it sounds almost like maybe there's kind of an indifference here. So I would say, you know, with all the potential stresses and all that, I would say maybe, maybe it'd be best to maybe just give each other some time, you know, to maybe, 
you know, meet new people and see, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be romantically meeting people, but, you know, maybe just kind of, you know, getting your foot into college, getting yourself associated, you know, and maybe, you know, still keep in contact and stuff and see where things go. But I don't think you should let this long distance relationship perhaps add stress to your situation. I think you should probably, you know, maybe work to keep yourself, you know, as stress free as possible. Cause I almost guarantee you, if you're know, being your first year at college, you're going to have a lot of stress in your plate already with or without a relationship. Yeah. There's a lot of adjustment to college and, uh, and also just mm-hmm. that you become kind of a different person when you go to college too. So it may yeah. be that the yeah. interest that, that pulled them together. We, and one thing uh, that we don't know about from Garrett is how long that they've been together as a couple too. Uh, so that also sure. plays into it too. And also, if you if you are going to work out the long distance thing, it's it's important to have some pretty clear parameters. You know, are you going to date other people? Is this gonna, are we still going to be staying exclusive? And like you said, you know, adjusting that first year of college can be pretty intense and stressful. Uh, so, and keeping up a long distance relationship can be difficult. Yeah. Right. And with that adjustment period to college, I think that for some people that adjustment can lead to a temptation to really hold on to something that is familiar, that is secure, Mm -hmm. that is, you know, Mm -hmm. feeling good from the place you were before. Um, And I don't know if this is your case, Garrett, but that could be one of the things that leads people to want to stay together uh, in long distance relationships, just to have something that at least one thing that's familiar, at least one thing that isn't so strange. Um, Somebody who you can Mm -hmm. count on who already likes you rather than putting yourself out there with a lot of different people. Um, And it might be worth considering whether that's one of your motivations as well. Yeah, I completely agree yeah. with that. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of questions here mm-hmm. that, you know, we, we just don't have answers to really, like, yeah, how long have they been together and stuff like that. So it's kind of hard for me to say, but... Mm-hmm. But yeah. good luck. I think this is probably, yeah, I think it probably warrants them maybe having a further discussion as to what they, they truly want, you know. I don't normally like to say, just talk it out, but I think in this case it might be good to both of them to sit down and maybe discuss this in detail mm-hmm. uh let's move on to david's email here nurse i'm just starting to get into online dating i have some things about me that i'm not too fond of to discuss uh i.e i'm overweight i have asperger's syndrome i'm oftentimes at home and don't get out much uh how can i relay these things into or relay these things to a potential partner without scaring them away david hmm. well the way that David is kind of framing these things to talk about makes me wonder if they're like when you say they're not too fond to discuss not too fond of discussing them it sounds like those are insecurities um, mm-hmm. and when you kind of bring them up as something like you you yourself are scared of like insecurities that you yourself are scared of it kind of um, presupposes that other people will be scared of it as well it kind of sets them up to be afraid afraid of this thing it's like if you have this box and you have air holes in it and you're like i think this is kind of a huge nasty poisonous spider people are going to be kind of like whoa that's probably a huge nasty poisonous spider please don't open that box but if you hold out the box and you're like hey this is a cool this is a cool pet this is a cool thing i really i'm really excited about it and i want you to be interested in it maybe people will be a little more receptive it would yeah i'd be thinking about like what what things are you insecure about and how can you go about addressing the things that you're insecure about whether um through developing more of a good attitude about those things toward yourself or working on changing the things that you don't like say you prefer to go out more maybe you could try going out more but um i think that if you are worried about showing yourself to somebody else that comes across as being 
just kind of like presupposing that they won't like you, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And I'm just, I'm kind of reading into what you're saying about saying you're not too fond of discussing things and kind of assuming that these are insecurities on your part. If they're not, if there's something that you're just kind of like worried about the prejudices of the world, then I would need to think about the answer to that a little more, but I think it's kind of the same. Like, yeah. frame these things as, if not outright positives, then at least things to love about yourself. Yeah. I definitely think this comes down to framing. I think, you know, I think everyone's got maybe something that they're maybe not too fond of or maybe some mild insecurities or major insecurities. And I, you know, I think you don't have to necessarily share those with people right off the bat. You know, I've not to say you should hide them and, you know, lie about them or anything like that. But I think maybe, you know, there's you know, maybe you should probably kind of not presume that these are going to be major issues and just see what happens when you don't discuss them. Like, see if you can just focus on the positives and focus on the things that, you know, um, aren't these kind of more negative aspects that maybe you have insecurities about. And then maybe once you sort of have that built in, built up trust with somebody in that relationship and, you know, you feel like it's a safe space for you to share this information, then, you know, that's perhaps a better time to share it. Especially if it's things like, you know, the, the Asperger's and stuff. Obviously, the weight may, you know, obviously be a bit harder to kind of handle that way. But I think, you know, even then you could probably, again, it's all about framing, you know. If you're, you know, working on maybe, you know, improving your your weight or your you know, general health, you know, maybe that might be something worth mentioning as well. So I think it all just comes down to framing. But uh, what do you I, think, Steph? I think with Asperger's first, it's difficult to make change. And that's one of the hallmark mm -hmm. signs of it. So mm -hmm. uh, it may be that David's feeling kind of stuck. And that's where I, I recommend talking to a mental health professional uh, that specializes in Asperger's because online dating with Asperger's can be a real challenge. Uh, and, um, and it may be that David needs some uh, really concrete ideas as to how to, how to challenge these you know, insecurities, like Kim mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, so it may not be so easy as just to not bring them up uh, because you have that the feeling that nobody's really going to understand. And that's part of Asperger's. Um, so I would, I would recommend talking professional about that. Uh, and uh, dating is online is tricky anyway. Um, but with Asperger's, you know, it's difficult because you aren't really verbalizing to somebody. You're just posting your stuff online. So uh, it, there's, there's a lot of social subtleties that, um, that we aren't really taught. And that's where you can do even social role plays maybe with a, a professional or a trusted friend or family member to figure out how to communicate with a date maybe. Uh, and um, also I, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, there's a website just for people with Asperger's that's online dating. Uh, and uh, they match you up with people based on, you know, are you a person that likes to go out and socialize or do you like to stay more at home? Are you in a strict schedule? Do you have a flexible schedule? And I think that's a great way for people to meet each other and, and when you meet someone else with Asperger's, it's it, you tend to click a lot because you understand each other. So that's another option, too, is to find an Asperger-specific uh, website, and there is one available. And I can't remember the name of it, but there's one out there. That's awesome. Yeah. It's great that there's tools out there for people like that. Mm -hmm. uh, Kim, did you want to read Courtney's email? Uh, sure. Nerds, I was purposefully single throughout my high school and college years. I wanted to focus on good grades and a solid resume so that I can land the career job of my dreams, which I'm happy to report I have. Thing is, I've never been on a first date. What are some good general ideas for dates? I live in San Francisco. 
Thanks for all you do with the podcast. I listen every week, and it is always both entertaining and enlightening. Courtney. Well, you got some restaurants in San Francisco for dates. You know, a few. You've got, you've got a lot of outdoor stuff you can do. You have weather that's pretty temperate, so you can do a lot of free stuff around town. Um, so I'm wondering, is it is it more so wanting general ideas for dates, or is it is it more like how to get dates or where you're going? Um, I would say online is a great way to start because it kind of helps you figure out who's who or join an organization that you enjoy to meet people, uh, you know, mm-hmm. pick up a hobby. Um, but as far as, you know, going out and doing stuff, you're in an amazing city for doing that. And you can do that for you know pretty mm-hmm. low cost. So, um, so I, I think online dating may be the way to go. And also, again, like I said, you know, finding a, an interest that you have and getting involved in that. And that's a great way to meet people that have shared interests with you. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. What a bonus that you live in San Francisco, Mm -hmm. uh, like a big metropolitan area, and not only that, but a pretty queer-friendly metropolitan area. So um, you don't have any indication of who you're looking to date, but it looks like there are going to be plenty of attitudes, uh, avenues for you to date whoever you you would like. Um, There might be some out-of-the-box things as well that you can try in a big city that might not be as available in a rural area. Things like meetups that are strictly for singles or um, speed dating. People do still do speed dating, right? Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> yes. um, things like that can be available to you as well. Um, I'm, I'm personally a big fan of like outdoor things for first dates. Cause they're really low pressure. You don't have to be like looking at each other all the time necessarily. You can just be walking around and looking at the scenery and talking at the same time. Um, but that's, yeah. that's just one woman's opinion. Yeah. Uh, you know, I find too, like sometimes to you know something that you can do that's like a new experience for both of you can always be interesting like you know if it's something that you know either one of you have done before or both of you have done before maybe you don't have as much to talk about but if it's like a new experience then you know so you can kind of both take it and both kind of comment on so you already sort of have that built-in kind of thing of you, you you're, it's a new experience for both of you so i think that's always a good way to start too it's kind of like what's something new that you know maybe perhaps you can challenge yourself with um, escape rooms are also a good idea, and since you live in San Francisco, I'm pretty sure there's a ton of them out there. So those can always be fun and kind of challenges you to work together and you know put your you know kind of. I think you have to work with other people as well with the challenge rooms or escape rooms, but you know that can always be something. As well, well, that's really like stuff. That's side. a great idea, escape rooms, because you learn mm-hmm. how that person deals with conflict because you have other people on the team. And you also learn yeah. uh, the creativity of that person. So I think that's a great idea. Yeah. And also, you know, if they're not into an escape room, then you might be like, well, maybe this is somebody I want to go out with, you know? <laughs> so, because exactly. so, I would be all about that. So, um, yeah. yeah. So I think it's a great way to see how people interact. And also, you can kind of judge uh, what the person's interests are. So if someone says, oh, well, this is dumb and, you know, whatever. But, um, yeah, yeah, that's a, it's a, it's a clear kind of weeding out tool, I think. Uh, And I think they're relatively inexpensive, Mm -hmm. too. I mean, I think most of them cost in the range of $20 to $30. They're reasonably well-done production, because that's what they kind of are, their production. And there's coupons available all the time, too, for those. Oh, that's true, actually. Yeah, you can always get those pretty Mm -hmm. discounted. Mm -hmm. So that's not a bad idea, either. And like you said, restaurants are, are great, too, because, you know... You know whether it's you know you're just going for something casual like tacos or you know maybe something a little fancier there's always something to i mean and if you're both history buffs you can go to alcatraz in san francisco i mean you got you got all sorts of stuff the alcatraz tour is super cool so if you're a history nerd like i am that's that would be really neat to go to too yeah 
I, you know, a couple uh, weeks ago went on a date and we went to an escape room and I thought it was really interesting because, you know, I'm kind of looking at this person and seeing how they kind of, you know, how their mind Mm kind of worked and how they kind of go through the process. And I thought it was really interesting because it's very subtle and, you know, maybe if you're not paying attention, you want to pick up on it, but, you know, it gives you some good insight as to what that person's Mm -hmm. like, so. This episode brought to you by the San Francisco tourism industry. Right. (laughs) (laughs) We'll take any and all kickbacks you're willing to offer. <laughs> yeah. uh, not, not about that kind of <laughs> stuff. Um, Steph, did you want to read Henry? Sure. Turner? So, nerds, a few weeks back, I was at a New Year's party with my friend. We've been relatively close. I've even slept together, albeit casually, with no strings. I was at her parents' place, and in particular, the basement. We kissed. I'm sorry. Just in particular, the basement. I don't know why that made me laugh, but uh, we kissed. <laughs> Already, it's in the basement. We kissed at midnight, and it yeah. was great. We discussed afterwards that a relationship might be a great idea for both of us, and agreed to date exclusively. Last week, however, she told me she cannot speak with me anymore, and I discovered indirectly through three mutual friends that her father saw us kissing and doesn't like me. I asked her about it, and she said he will not allow her to date me. I know the casual sex thing is a bit iffy, but I'm otherwise very mature, and I want the father to understand this. Are there any recommendations in terms of discussing this with him? Do you think it would be a good idea to discuss this with him, or should I perhaps try something else? Thanks, Henry. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I want to hear more about this basement. Like, is it furnished? Is this like an unfinished basement? Is this a crawl space? You know what I'm thinking? I think he mentioned yeah. the basement because of the dad. Yeah. So, like, they were at the parents' uh-huh. placement yeah. in the basement so that the dad wasn't around. Uh-huh. So, but the fact that yeah. the father saw them kissing, I feel like I'm in, like, one of those escape rooms right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. so, the father saw them kissing, but they're in the basement. So, that's a little, that's odd. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. why why he brought it up. Yeah. When he heard, when I heard the basement, I thought of that 70s show. Cause they mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what do you think, Kim? Um, all basement jokes aside, um, I think this is not a discussion between you and this girl's father. I think this is a discussion between you and this girl. Um, with, if you're, if a woman wants to have a relationship with you and she wants to have the relationship with you more than she wants to be strictly within her father's good graces, then she'll choose being in the relationship with you. I think this is something more for this girl to consider, like, what she wants to do. Does she want to go along with her father's recommendation? Does she want to please her dad? Does she want to be with you? Which one does she want to do more? What is she sacrificing by choosing either one of those options? It seems like until she has made a decision with that, I'm afraid your hands are tied because she's kind of laid down this fairly explicit boundary with you that she does not want to, she's not going to date you right now. She cannot speak with you anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, unfortunately, that's about all you can do right now is respect where she is right now. Um, if you want to have another discussion with her and she is open to that, you can. Um, But this is not, I don't think, a discussion between you and her father. Um, I don't think, I I don't think it would behoove you to ask permission to date this girl from the father, necessarily. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the way that, you don't say how old you are, Henry, um, when you say that you are very mature and that this girl will not be allowed to date by her parents. It makes me think you guys are really young. Um, And... 
Yeah, I'm not sure how much bearing that has on it besides, like, it's very hard to convince someone you're very mature when you're to them, I would say. Um, and so, yeah, I don't think this is a discussion that you need to have with a dad. I think that what you can do right now is sit tight and have another conversation with this girl if you can, if she will allow you, but otherwise respect her decision and move on. Yeah, the yeah. fact that someone said, you know, she can't speak with you anymore, that's a pretty clear boundary. Uh, and we don't really know if it's the deal with the father or not, because that's what she says. And that's what these, I, I guess, the, I'm not sure how they indirectly you found out from three friends, but it's clear that, you know, she has set this boundary. And one of the best things you can do is respect that boundary. And if she decides to change her mind, then she can approach you. But, you know, look at it as actually almost weirdly in a way a positive that she was direct with you and told you to your face, you know, this, I cannot do this. I can't, you don't speak with, I can't speak with you anymore. So um, in so many relationships that's happened, but people have not come out and say it. So she actually did you a favor by telling you directly that she's setting this boundary. Uh, so I would let it go until she uh, maybe contacts you because otherwise, I mean, going to the dad, that's a, you know, like Kim said, nah, that's not, that's not the way to go here uh, because she's told you she can't speak with you anymore. So Again, respect that boundary and, and let it go. And, and um, you know, I think you're going to find somebody that, you know, respects you and wants to have open communication with you. And I would look forward to that instead of maybe focusing on reaching through to your friend. Yeah. I also feel, too, like, you know, this is also a lot of assumptions being made here, too, right? Like to, you know, you know, she, you know, apparently, you know, the friends say that the dad doesn't want them hanging out, but, you know, he might be just interpreting what the girl said as confirmation of that, but, you know, we don't know for sure. You know, I feel like either way, yeah, I, I agree. Just respect the boundaries, you know, give space. You know, I would say even too, you know, just don't expect much. You know, if she comes back to you down the road and says, hey, you know, we can hang out or whatever, then by all means, but I would say respect the boundaries. And that. I know he says that they, they are having sex with no strings, but it sounds like he's got some strings. Or else he wouldn't he yeah. wouldn't be as <laughs> um, concerned about this. So I would the, this casual sex thing. I I don't think it's casual for Henry anymore. So I would keep that in mind yeah. that he might be emotionally vulnerable at this point. You may want to consider you know yeah. that if they do have sex again, it's it's not casual at least on his side. No, he's obviously starting to get some mm -hmm. feelings there, and it sounds like maybe they had some kind of discussion about that. But again, it's kind of hard to say for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, next email is from Juan. Nerds, I have been seeing this girl, Jacqueline, for around two weeks now. We've gone on three dates and have hung out four times since then. After the third date where we had sex, we've retreated to each other or to either hers or mine place for sex. I'm not complaining, but I would like to, to perhaps go out more and not just become a reclusive couple. Anytime I ask her if she wants to do anything, she says, up to you. But I feel like she has no motivation to do anything. What do you suggest I do? Uh, I think this is a personality thing. So um, yeah. several people are okay with just hanging out at home um, and maybe really good in bed and she doesn't want to go anywhere else. She wants to just hang out and have sex. So, um, you know, that could yeah. be possible too. So it just might be that you have different levels of social contact. It's possible. Yeah. Um, and she says up to you. Well, why don't you come up with something and say, hey, let's go. Let's go to an escape room. Maybe in San Francisco, <laughs> you can meet up with yeah, exactly. With what is it, Courtney? Yeah, you can meet up with Courtney. Um, and but there you, go. you know, it's it's one of those things that you just may have different levels of. You know, I call it the social director in the relationship. It sounds like like Juan, you're going to be the social director. So yeah, if she says up to you, 
that could all that could mean different things. That could mean I don't feel comfortable going outside. It could mean I really want it to be up to you because if I come up with something you don't like it, then I'm going to feel weird. So you know, she says up to you. Come up with something now. If you come up with something that you're interested in doing, and she says no, we're going to stay home. Well, then you kind of need to reevaluate that. Maybe you're just a little too different on the on that page of you know contact and you know social contact and going out and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. If it seems like the role of social planner seems to be falling to you, it's kind of up to you to decide whether or not you want to accept that role. Some people find that role really exhausting, like being the one to pick things every time, being the one to choose the restaurant every single time, being the one to choose the escape room every single time, um, being the one to go to San Francisco for the fourth time in a row. I don't know. Um, and some people really, really thrive on that. Some people really enjoy being able to plan activities and having people come along and they derive a lot of benefit from people saying, oh, that was awesome. Thank you for planning that. People feel really fulfilled by that. And so I think it's kind of up to you to decide which one you are, if indeed that role seems to be falling to you. This is another one where you can kind of talk about it with Jacqueline. And I know that you guys have only been together for like two weeks and it's hard to have those really open and honest conversations with someone you've only been with for a few weeks, even if you've had sex a bunch already. Um, but sort of saying like, are you, I, I, I'm, are you worried that I won't like what you pick or what's something that you've always wanted to do but haven't had the chance until now? Um, I don't know. It seems like something worth talking about a little more and not just sort of seeing where your role falls because you can kind of fall into patterns by that ac like that accidentally without talking about it first, you know? And I just realized too, yeah, you know, it might be one that Jacqueline may have some level of depression. I mean, we don't know her, so we can't really tell. But uh, sometimes when people are depressed, they use sex to self-medicate uh, because it raises uh, neurotransmitter levels, brain chemical levels are low when you have depression. And also when you have depression, you mentioned it feels like she has no motivation. That's a real key part of depression. You know, depression is kind of a jerk and makes you not want to go out and do stuff. Uh, so I'm wondering if that's mm -hmm. part of it. Um, and again, we wouldn't really know because we don't, you know, that's something just to maybe contemplate uh, and, um, yeah. you know, just to check out a little bit. So, uh, but yeah, you've only been together for two weeks and this may just be a personality thing too. So it's kind of hard to tell. Yeah, I would really shy away from like having a conversation which is intended to diagnose her. Um, oh yeah, no, absolutely not. <laughs> don't do that. No, no, that's yeah. not what I meant. I meant like, you want to you want to uh, look at it from it's possible that's going on, but you know that's what I was mentioned for two weeks. You don't go, hey, let me get out the diagnostic manual and see if you have this. Um, it's more that this may yeah. be part of the reason why she's not wanting to go out, or people can have agoraphobia, or it may just be a personality thing. But yeah, you don't want to go and diagnose, obviously. But um, but yeah, it's just something that you know, it's just something to contemplate that you see things like issues of motivation. Now it could be that Juan just has a different level of motivation than Jacqueline does. That's possible. Mm -hmm. um, but again, that no motivation and the kind of almost it sounds like compulsive sex, possibly, maybe not. I don't know. But that's I see the lot of people with depression. So um, just something to take a look at. Yeah, I have an in joke with my friends uh, that might be listening now. Varying levels of commitment. Um, and it could be that they just have different varying levels of commitment to being active and being social. Um, whatever the motivation for that, it seems worth having a discussion about and worth evaluating what he is going to find fulfilling and not exhausting in terms of his role in the relationship. And already at two weeks, yeah. he's not he's not fulfilled. He's not satisfied. So that's a big red flag. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, um, I, I feel like trying to find fulfillment at two weeks is like trying to get full on the appetizer at a restaurant, but some restaurants have really good appetizers, man. <laughs> no, I, I honestly, when I read this, I thought, you know what? I feel like this is partially on one. I mean, yeah, you know, maybe Jacqueline could probably, you know, maybe work to contribute more to, you know, offering ideas to go up but i mean she's not saying no she's saying it's up to you and you know i think what she, what i probably read that as is that you know she's saying you know maybe but you know what do you want to do right like if you're asking her and she says it's up to you she's probably looking to you to be decisive because you're the one that's approaching her to go out so i'd say you know do you know be a little bit more proactive it sounds like you know if she says it's up to you and you just kind of go well i guess she doesn't want to do anything then you kind of settle down then i mean you know it sounds to me like perhaps you're not quite following through all the way with what you want to do like you want to do things with her and then when she says well what do you want to do you just stop and go well i i, I guess i don't know i guess we'll just stay here and stay inside so I'd say it's probably, you know, you maybe have to put your foot down and maybe say, yeah, let's, you know, not be aggressive or mean about it by any stretch, but like say, okay, well, let's go for dinner or let's go and, you know, go for a hike or something, right? And, you know, I think a lot of people, relationships are not, you know, it's a lot easier to just sit inside and watch Netflix or something than it is to go out and go for a hike. It's always going to be the case. So I think you know it's kind of up to you to you know maybe not do this all the time and if you feel like you're having to do this too much or you know it's getting to be exhausting then maybe it's starting to be signs of a problem but i'd say you know i think you can maybe lead the charge and lead by example that you know you want to go out and go do things and you know hopefully she'll follow suit at least you would hope yeah and good for Juan that he knows that about himself too that he mm -hmm. needs to go out more yeah yeah because a lot of people would just go oh we're just sitting inside watching Netflix. That's they have a lot of sex. Woo! Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think half the people they'd email in would be dreaming of a moment <laughs> like this. But, um, you know, I I imagine that. Yeah, you know, it's probably worth. I don't think this is necessarily a fault of Jacqueline. I think she's just kind of waiting for a response from Juan, and it just ultimately comes down to miscommunication. So. You know, maybe it's a matter of talking it through and, you know, seeing more of what she wants or, or maybe, you know, got to be a bit more assertive. Either way, I think it really just comes down to clarifying things either way. And I'll say something I bring up, too. So I brought up depression. Also, social anxiety. We have social anxiety. Being around other people for an extended period of time can really wear you out. So maybe that Jacqueline just mm -hmm. feels uncomfortable doing a lot of social stuff. I mean, so we really don't know. So, yeah, it, it's something where you just have to have open communication. Uh, Kim, did you want to read Kyle? Sure. Nerds, I am a recovering alcoholic with five years of sobriety. My ex was a recovering alcoholic who lasted about 3.5 years before relapsing. After various attempts, I realized I was compromising myself being with her and ending the relationship. I now am back to dating, and I find that a lot of my dates want to go out for drinks or go to restaurants where we have a drink. I try to bring up the sobriety, but it can make things awkward. I'm considering putting it in my profile, but I'm wondering if that's going to intimidate some women. Basically, I'm curious how I should discuss my sobriety with my dates. Thanks for the show and all that you do. Been listening for almost two years now. Kyle. Well, congratulations on your sobriety, Kyle. That's right. a big change to make, and that's, you know, props to you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, my feeling is, is I don't drink that much, so if I go out to a restaurant, I just get a, uh, you know, like, I don't know 
just a soda or water or whatever. So, I mean, going out to, for a drink, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to get into sobriety unless you start feeling comfortable talking to somebody about that. You know, everybody's got different levels of mm -hmm. comfort. Um, so, but I don't think you necessarily need to talk about it on your first date. Um, and maybe that you want to counter with another offer. So you want to go out for drinks. Okay. Well, I was thinking maybe we could do this at the, at the city park or, you know, whatever it is. So, uh, you, know, you can put on your profile that, you know, they have on some profiles, you just say drinking, you know, yes or no, or moderate, and you can just put no. And that's pretty clear. Uh, it really depends on, you know, how much you want to talk about it. And it sounds like you do want to talk about it, though, but I'm wondering, are you talking about because you feel like you have to, or because you want people to know what's up from the beginning? Mm -hmm. I feel like too, it would also probably be worthwhile to maybe invest in knowing which restaurants maybe don't serve alcohol and it's rare, but you know, sometimes there are restaurants that just, you know, maybe are smaller, more casual restaurants and they just don't serve alcohol. Like, you know, I know of a couple places, at least in my area that don't serve alcohol. So, you know, maybe it might be worth going and finding one that doesn't have alcohol. So, you know, even when you get there, you you know, you don't have to maybe be faced with that awkward situation of, you know, having to choose, you know, she's choosing alcohol and you, you know, have to, you know, either tell that her or, you know, try to make it awkward. You know, it, you can just kind of leave it to be like, well, this restaurant just doesn't have alcohol and, you know, leave that conversation to maybe when you're a bit more comfortable. Um, but I think it ultimately comes down to comfort if you're, you know, totally fine discussing that with them, then, you know, maybe, you know, who knows, maybe it's just that you're finding the wrong people. Well, and I'm wondering, too, if, if Kyle's been kind of traumatized by his ex relapsing. Uh, so when he's talking about his sobriety, he really wants to know maybe if his date uh, is in recovery or, you know, she has propensity or he has a propensity for alcohol uh, issues. So I wonder if that's part of it, too. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, I actually did just a quick search while we were talking about this, and I found a website called singleandsober.com, um, and also a couple of different articles about online dating while you are sober. Um, so, like, the strategy for, um, for doing it, and that you can be like, yeah, you could try to go to a restaurant where they don't serve alcohol, or you can try and do a date, like, in the morning, or some other place, avenue, like an escape room where they don't have alcohol. Um, this episode brought to you by escaperooms.com. Um, uh, <laughs> um, but you can also get it out in front of it and choose to date people who are also sober. Um, there are different ways that you can sort on big dating websites for like looking for people who are sober. They might mention it in their profile, their relationship with alcohol mm -hmm. a little bit in their profiles. You can specifically choose a dating avenue that is for sober people. And that could be something that you all can bond over. Um, it can be another place, community, um, that will help support you in your sobriety rather than um, testing it or making you feel insecure in that way. Um, so that could be another thing that you exploring. Mm -hmm. Especially if, you know, maybe perhaps, you know, just trying the regular online dating where there's not as many filters like that is just proving to maybe perhaps be a little bit too intimidating. Mm -hmm. Any, any other thoughts or advice for Kyle? Um, I don't think so. Mostly congratulations again and good luck. Um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Steph, did you want to read the final email? From sure. Brian? Brian says, nerds, I know everyone seems to have an opinion on this, but I love movies and I want to take my days to a movie. I figure it's a good way to have something to talk about. 
And there's a chance for some light physical intimacy if she's cool with it, i.e. hand on leg, around her shoulders, etc. Everyone, including some of these dates, seem opposed to it. What do you all think? Should I keep trying to take my dates to the movies, or should I try something else? Well, Brian, it might be that they want to talk to you and get to know you. Uh, and movies, if you aren't going out to dinner before or after, doing other activity before and after, it, it might be that they just aren't able to have kind of some conversation with you. Um, and it may just be that you need to find somebody that loves movies just as much as you do. That that may be you know, another simple solution to it. So um, you might want to say, well, is it that, I mean, I don't know how you would say this, you know, kind of politely, but you could say, well, also, um, do you like movies though, just for in the future? Because I love movies and you know, are you into that? Um, you might want to just double check before you maybe go further with it. Uh, but I'm thinking it's more probably that they want to be able to converse with you and get to know you better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Kim? Um, well, my, my own personal feeling on movie theaters is that they tend to give me a headache, unfortunately. So um, sorry, Brian, we will never get together. Um, but um, <laughs> I think that... You know, the people who aren't on the dates with you, they don't they don't really matter so much as the opinion of the people who you are on the dates with. So if some of your dates seem to be opposed to it, maybe brainstorm with those other dates and if into it, hooray, go to a movie with those dates. Um, are, how are you all picking the movies? Are you all sort of deciding on a movie collaboratively? Are you picking one, a movie to go see? Are you letting them pick a movie to go see? Um, yeah, I, I, there's there's like a, a few different ways to approach that, I think. But most of all, I think it's important to consider the person you're on a date with and not so much the people, like, the everybody who has an opinion on this. Because that, in the end, it really is just noise. Mm -hmm. I, I personally am kind of opposed to the whole movie date idea just because if this is your first time meeting somebody, you know, it's fine if you go for coffee or something and maybe you have, you know just a quick little encounter where it's easy for you to duck out of if you you know aren't really feeling like the date's going well but when you're you know essentially you know stuck in a theater with someone for two and a half hours it's a different story right and so like I've always kind of felt like you know on paper dates might seem like a great idea for a, a date just because it's like you, know, you can go there watch the movie you know afterwards go discuss it but you know you might want to imagine what it's like for that other person where you know if maybe they're not necessarily getting along with you they're now stuck in a movie theater sitting next to you for perhaps you know who knows two and a half two hours three hours potentially so it can be kind of an intimidating thing so you might want to take that into account that you know for a lot of your dates you know that might just be something that you know is a little concerning for them so maybe you know, a second date movie as a second date might be a better idea where that person's perhaps got some kind of baseline of comfort with you and is probably a little more comfortable going to a movie theater with you. Um, but I would say as a first date, you know, it might be better to kind of curve excite, you know, someone who hosts a podcast about movies, I know that, you know, it's very exciting to go see new movies and, you know, discuss that with others. But, you know, I think there's always a good time and place and maybe a first date isn't always the best time and place to do that. I also did you say that, that it's oh, not on. a good time? It's not a good place to be like stuck in a room with somebody for a couple of hours? Yeah. It's oh. Like an escape room? That's <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's true. <laughs> it all comes back around to, to the escape room. <laughs> Brought to you by San Francisco Escape Room.com. <laughs> yeah. 
We should be getting some coffee mugs or something out of this escape room. Yeah, escape exactly. room for yeah, life. Oh, that would be the best. We get like an unlimited escape room pass. Yeah, or at least a oh, coupon. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was also thinking with Brian, too. He says that, it, that everyone, including some of his dates, seem opposed to it. And I'm wondering, are his dates actually saying, hey, let's do something else? Or I know sometimes that um, we mind read and we think that somebody doesn't want to do something. And I'm wondering if they've actually said it or he's just assuming they don't want to. Because maybe yeah. he hasn't had dates that are in the movies before. Um, so it, it depends. That seem opposed kind of was a little um, ding, ding, ding thing for me. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and when you say everyone, including, and I'm wondering who everyone is, um, it may be that your friends are saying, hey, don't take people out on dates. Well, if it's really important to you, I mean, I have friends that what movies you like make or break whether they want to get in a relationship with you. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's still something to kind of see is it, is it what they're saying to you or is, are you kind of mind reading? Hmm. Right. Yeah. Use your words. Mm-hmm. Use your, with your mouth. Right. And counter, if they say, Hey, I'm not into movies, you can say, okay, well, what, do you have any ideas of what you'd like to do? Kick it back to their court and see what they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like, especially with online dating sites, like, okay, Cupid and all that, you can even search by like, you know, certain interests. So you can maybe look up by movies and find someone who's maybe more into movies and your chances of finding someone who's, maybe more open to go into a movie on a th- first date, you know, would probably greatly increase if you're looking for someone who is, you know, also as passionate for movies as you you are. Meanwhile, somebody who maybe isn't, you know, might kind of go, oh, well, not really my thing kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess that's it. Yeah. Uh, visit San Francisco. Awesome. Well, yes. This episode brought to you uh, once again by Escape Room. So, <laughs> but no, seriously, if you have not tried an escape room, you should try one out. It's a mild challenge, I'm sure, for some people, but it can be a lot of fun. So, my city just got one. Maybe I'll even check if, it out. Oh, yeah, a lot of even fun. if it's not, you know, a date setting. You know, might be even fun. Just check it on your mm-hmm. own or with a group. Um, and with that, thank you everyone for tuning in and thank you again, Steph and Kim for joining us, um, you know, for offering the great advice you keep on giving. So thanks again. And, uh, we'll see you all next week. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.